passage for today that we are looking at. And one of the key verses in there that we're all familiar with is, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, Jesus says to his disciples. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, that you're my followers, by how you love one another, by your relationships with each other. It's Jesus' command, it's to be the mark of a Christian, our love for one another, how we treat each other. But what does that really mean? I know as we think about it, the conversations I've had about that, it gets confusing because as several people have said to me, and I've thought myself at times, you know what, I know non-Christians that are more loving than a lot of the Christians I know. So what's Jesus getting at here? If non-Christians can be so loving, then how is it that we stand out? What should be different about us? Non-Christians love too. So what is our love to be like that stands out, that reveals that we are truly followers of Jesus? That's our question for today. I think it's important we understand that there's three primary main words in the Greek New Testament that are translated by our one English word, love. There's the word eros, which means romantic love. It's the love between a husband and a wife. It's that passionate care, that drawing to one another to want to be one. That's eros. Another word in the New Testament for love is phile. It's a friendship kind of love. It's the kind of love that says... I'm attracted to you. I like you as a friend. Uh, You're important to me. You're valuable to me. I appreciate you. It's where we get our name Philadelphia. Philae. Love. Adelphia. Brother. City of brotherly love. It's this affectionate kind of love. It's, It's a love that says, I love you because. Because I like you. Because I enjoy being with you. I love you because you are related to me. And I don't have a choice. (laughs) I love you because you do something for me. I love you because you are needy. And I have something to offer you. You see, these two kinds of love, eros, romantic love, and philae, friendship kind of love, are loves that are gifts from God to all the human race. Non-Christians and Christians as well express eros and philae. And some non-Christians express them better than we as Christians do. That's true. But in this passage, the word is different. What Jesus says makes us stand out as his disciples is different than those around us in the world is is the word agape. You probably have heard that word before, agape. It's a different kind of love. It's used almost exclusively of God's love for us. And because of his love for us, our love for one another. It's a love that is supernatural. It's a love that can only be done by God, either directed towards us or through us to other people. But it's God's love. It's 
God's kind of love. But that still leaves us with a question. Well, what does agape look like? When we relate to one another, if, it's, if it changes the quality of our relationships, that our relationships with one another in the body of Christ should be different than any kind of relationship non-Christians have, well, what does it look like then? Well, this passage we're looking at today, just read by Mark, starting in John 13, verse 18, I think Jesus gives us a picture of agape love. It's not the complete picture, but it's a picture for us of what our love is to look like, agape love is to look like in our relationships with one another. Jesus treats the disciples a certain way in this passage. And then he says, love one another as I have loved you. Think about how I'm treating you and seek to express that in your relationships with each other. So let's look at what this picture is that he gives us. Reading verse 18 again. I'm not referring to all of you. I know those I have chosen. But this is to fulfill the scripture. He who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. I know those whom I have chosen. Agape love is, first of all, a choice. It's a choice. Now, in this very powerful picture we see at the Last Supper as they're gathered around the table, Jesus says, I know whom I've chosen. I chose you twelve. I chose even Judas, who is about to betray me. I chose all eleven of you, others, who this very night will walk away from me out of fear and self-protection, who will deny me, who will flee for your very lives, who will leave me, abandon me. I chose you. I chose all of you. I know whom I have chosen. You see, agape love is, first of all, a choice to move towards people, to move into closer relationship with those around us, even though we know that those relationships get painful at times, that we hurt one another. That because we're all in this process of growing in Christ, but we're not there yet, when you get close to people, it hurts. It's difficult. Even though you know they'll hurt you, it's a choice to move closer to them. And Jesus quotes in verse 20, or excuse me, in this uh, verse 18, he who shares my bread has lifted up his heel against me. He quotes Psalm 41. It's a psalm by David, where David was going through a difficult time. He was sick. And he describes in this psalm the enemies that are out to get him and how painful that is, how hard it is. But then he says this. Let me start in verse 7 of Psalm 41. All my enemies whisper together against me. They imagine the worst for me, saying, A vile disease has beset him. He'll never get up from the place where he lies. And then verse 9, which is the verse that Jesus quotes part of. David writes this. Even my close friend, whom I trusted, he who shared my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. David said, the one I trusted, the one... We got along well. The one that I counted on, I put my weight on, I trusted in him. The one I've shared a meal with, and many meals probably. And In their culture, sharing a meal with someone else was a sign of sweet, intimate fellowship. That's where you shared your lives. You opened up yourself to one another. 
And he says, even the one I've done that with. And we don't know who David was thinking about. He doesn't tell us. It could have been Saul. It could have been Absalom, his son. It could have been his son, Adonijah, who sought to take over the kingdom and kill David while David was old and bedridden. It must have felt terrible to him. And he says, even that one who I trusted in, instead of lifting me up and helping me up when I was down, lifted his foot to stomp on me when I was down. And Jesus quotes that very passage because that's how it felt to him. To have Judas and the other disciples reject him at his greatest time of need. You see, love is a choice to stay in relationship even though you know people will hurt you. All of us want to run away from difficult relationships, don't we? I mean, that's just natural for us. We, we get involved with someone and they say something that hurts us and we just want to w- walk away and leave them or maybe punish them and then walk away. <laughs> because relationships are hard. As we get in relationship with one another... Here's the picture I get. All of us are like rocks that have been crushed and hurt and we've got all these jagged, pointed edges. And God brings us into the church. He calls us to be His people. And we get thrown into a fellowship with a bunch of other pointy rocks. (laughs) And we poke each other. And if you get real close to people, you get poked more. So some of us stay very distant so we won't get poked. And yet, our points never get worn off. (laughs) We never learn what agape love is because we don't want to be hurt and we stay far away and we never grow. But God's plan is that we rub shoulders with each other, we rub against each other, and though it hurts and relationships are hard... Yet we get rounded off through that and become more like Jesus, more loving. And we learn what real love is like as we experience with one another, as we learn to give and share and love even those that are difficult to love. And they learn to love us. (laughs) Love is a choice to move close to people even though we know they'll hurt us. Love is also a choice to trust God that God is at work even in the most difficult relationships. Notice what Jesus says in verse 20. I tell you the truth, whoever accepts anyone I send accepts me. And whoever accepts me accepts the one who sent me. Now I wrestle with this. Why is this verse here? And I think the reason it's here is Jesus says, hey, if I send somebody to you, I'm essentially coming myself. The way you receive that person, you're receiving me. And if you receive me, you're receiving the Father. Why does that here? I think he's saying that when I send people into your life with rough edges, (laughs) agape love means a choice to accept them as from God. Do you see that the people that God puts in your life that are difficult to get along with are really a gift from God to help you learn what agape love is really like? For you to have your rough edges 
worn off and for you to help them grow and for you to together become more and more like Jesus. Agape love is that kind of choice. Can we receive this person as from God? Can we choose to do that? You see, that's agape love. That's different than the world. The world says, I'm not receiving anybody that I don't like. But agape love says, you know what? I will learn to love you as Jesus loves me, as he gave his life for me. At a church I was at, a previous church, I was working alongside a person that he and I didn't get along real well. We had our struggles. In fact, we saw things very differently. It was hard for me. To be honest, I did not like him. (laughs) I don't think he liked me either. And yet we were in ministry together. And it was hard and there were times I just wanted to run. He rubbed me the wrong way. I was frustrated and angry at times. But over time, as God kept me in relationship and wouldn't let me flee, God began to wear off some rough edges and he began to help me understand in ways I never had before God's love for me. That God loves me even with my rough edges, even with my sins and my selfishness and my quirks and allowed me to begin, in small ways, to extend love to him as well. I can honestly say I'm thankful that God brought him into my life. He didn't change a whole lot, but I know God used him in my life. I like what Thomas Akempis, who wrote in the 14th century uh, with a great heart for God, said this. When people attack our reputation, when they ignore us or treat us as fools with scorn, it teaches us to turn to God for our worth and approval. And so we learn another lesson in surrendering ourselves in humility only to God and to no one else. For we are of great worth to him, though others may despise and misuse us. You see, love is a choice. Agape love is a choice. To stay in relationship, to not flee. Agape love is a choice to see that God is working in this. He brought this person into my life so that I could grow and learn what love really is about. Love is a choice. But secondly, and this is a tough one for all of us, (laughs) agape love involves pain and betrayal. Pain and betrayal. Still want to sign up for agape love? (laughs) Well, we all have. We all have. Let's look at this. Verse 21. After he had said this, Jesus was troubled in spirit and testified, I tell you the truth, one of you is going to betray me. Now this troubled in spirit is too weak a translation. Jesus was in deep anguish. He was hurting. He had poured his life into these disciples for the last three and a half years at least. He had loved them. He had cared for them. He had taught them. And yet that very night, Judas would betray and the others would walk away. And Jesus was really hurting. Jesus was fully God, but here we see how he was fully human as well. He felt deeply 
And yet he continued to love. He continued to reach out. He continued to reach out to Judas. He had just washed Judas' feet. He continued to reach out to the other disciples. He continues to love us even though we reject him. He had given Judas his heart. You see, when we choose to love in an agape way, God's kind of love, and stay in relationship, the truth is we will be hurt. We will be hurt. And this is a powerful scene here as we continue to work through it. Notice verse 22. His disciples stared at one another at a loss to know which of them he meant. This really strikes me. Judas was a betrayer. Jesus knew it all along. And yet the other disciples, when they're told, one of you will betray me, had no idea who it was. None. This is something powerful about agape love, I think. And that is that Judas, who was one of the leaders, he held the many box and all, and yet he was a betrayer. And he'd already planned to betray Jesus. Yet, the way Jesus chose to treat Judas was like everybody else. No one could tell by either the way Judas acted or by the way Jesus responded to him which one was the betrayer. It says something about agape love, doesn't it? That it seeks to extend love and keep extending love even to those we know will hurt us or who have hurt us. That's powerful. That's a wonderful picture of how Jesus keeps reaching out to love us. There was no hint about who it was. Then as we continue in the passage, we see verse 23. One of them, the disciple whom Jesus loved, was reclining next to him. So Simon Peter motioned to this disciple and said, Ask him which one he means. Peter, as always, wants to know what's going on. He wants to be on the in-group. Tell us what's going on. Leaning back against Jesus, he asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, It's the one to whom I will give this piece of bread when I have dipped it in the dish. Then dipping in the piece of bread, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, son of Simon. Notice the power of this passage. Now to understand it, you may need a little explanation about how they were having this Passover feast together. When they had special occasions in those days, the way they ate was they would lie on a couch with their heads toward the center around a low table and their feet pointed outward. And they'd lay on their left side on their elbow and then they would eat with their right hand and reach in on the table and eat. So John is right in front of Jesus as he's sitting there and John leans back on his breast and asks him, Who is it? Who is it, Lord? Who's the betrayer? We see in the other Gospels, all of them were going, Is it I, Lord? Is it I? Who is it? Who could it be? Who would betray you in that way? And Jesus says, It's the one to whom I give this piece of bread, this morsel. Now, because it was the Passover feast, probably what this consisted of is you'd take a piece of unleavened bread and then a piece of the Passover lamb. Remember what the Passover was all about? It was a remembrance of God's redemption of Israel from Egypt, how he loved them and brought them out, how the Passover lamb had to be killed and its blood spilt so that you could be redeemed as a people and not perish. 
It was a picture of redemption. And so Jesus takes a piece of that, that very lamb, which represents himself. And he dips it in the bitter herbs. The bitter herbs were to remind them what they'd come out of, the difficulty and the slavery of Egypt. And he reaches and he hands that probably next to him, who is Judas, who was probably in the prized position right on his left, and gave it to him as a way of saying essentially, Judas, I'm trying one more time to reach out to you. I've loved you and I'm continuing to reach out. I'm offering you forgiveness and redemption. You don't have to go through with this. What a powerful picture of agape love, of continuing to reach out with the love, continuing to offer forgiveness right up to the very end. That's agape love, folks. In our relationships with each other, it's offering forgiveness, offering forgiveness. Because Jesus has forgiven us, because he has loved us, therefore we can extend forgiveness to one another even when we hurt one another over and over again. It's an act of love. And and Jesus is saying, will you respond to my love? But notice how Judas responds. Verse 27, as soon as Judas took the bread, Satan entered into him. What you're about to do, do quickly, Jesus told him. But no one at the meal understood why Jesus said this to him. Since Judas had charge of the money, some thought Jesus was telling him to buy what was needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. As soon as Judas had taken the bread, he went out and it was night. This passage is so full of significance. As Jesus reaches over and it says Judas takes the bread and Satan entered into him. It, somehow in his taking, it was a picture of rejection of Jesus, rejection of forgiveness. And so Jesus says, what you do, do quickly. Go. Get it over with. At that point, it's too late. Judas walks out the door, walks out of Jesus' presence, walks out of the community of the saints, walks away from the disciples, and walks into night, into the realm of Satan. This is a reminder, folks, to all of us that we can keep extending love to people, agape love, and keep extending forgiveness and keep trying to to reach out to people, but we can't control their responses. And they still have a choice to walk away, to reject the love of Christ that you are offering them. We can't control that. Our job is simply to love and leave the results in God's hands. So that's agape love. It's, It's continuing to reach out in love, knowing that some will continue to reject it, and that hurts knowing that it'll be painful at times, knowing that we'll be betrayed at times. And that's difficult. I do want to qualify this a little bit because I would not want you to walk out of here saying, well, I'm in an abusive relationship, abusive marriage, some kind of really awful relationship. And agape love means I have to hang in there and let them keep abusing me. I don't believe that's true. You see, Jesus' love for us, agape love, isn't that way. He does keep reaching out with forgiveness to us, 
but he also brings consequences into our lives to turn us around and to bring us back. So agape love with an abusive person may mean tough love. It may mean setting boundaries. It may mean saying, you know what, I'm going to bring consequences into your life because of the way you've treated me so that you can experience God's love and forgiveness. You see, it's still an act of love when it's done that way. It's still agape love. As long as it's not done in a way of, I'm going to punish you for hurting me. That's not agape love. But boundaries, tough love, may be what God calls you to. And that's painful. And that's hard. It's admitting that things are not getting better and probably won't. And Jesus had to come to that place with Judas. So agape love involves, at times, getting close to each other in a way that we experience pain and betrayal. But it also glorifies God. And that's our next point. Verses 31 through 35. When he was gone, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will glorify the Son in himself and will glorify him at once. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus says, now, now that Judas is gone, now that things are set in motion and I'm headed to the cross, now that I've experienced this rejection, but continued to love right up to the end, God is glorified. You see, agape love, when we continue to reach out in love and seek to share the love of Christ, whether people respond or not, that glorifies the Father. What does glorify mean? Glorify means just shine the light on. Show the beauty of. Show the wonder of. Jesus' continuing to love and eventually going to the cross shine the light on God's love, on who God really is. He's a God of love. He's one who continues to reach out to us. And he's saying then that when we reach out and continue to love one another, even when it's hard, God is glorified. People begin to understand how, much, how great God's love is for us. When we can forgive those that humanly it's impossible for us to forgive, even those who have hurt us, that glorifies the Lord. That shines the light on who He is. That reveals Him to a world that is hurting and desperately needs to know that God's love is great. You see, that is supernatural. That's agape love. That's something the world can never do. In fact, this kind of love is a kind of love that the world can offer because we are forgiven and reconciled to God. He reached out to us and loved us in that way. Was did everything he could to pursue us and pull us back into his kingdom. Therefore, as we experience that kind of love and begin to extend that to one another, even though we struggle, even though we're kind of a mess, even though relationships are hard, and yet we continue to forgive, we continue to pursue reconciliation, we continue to reach out with agape love, then the world begins to change. People see who God is. I think Jesus' heart for us as a church, Cole Community Church, 
the universal church for all of us is that we would be a place, wherever your fellowship is, where people would come together of all different races, ages, backgrounds, sins, where we would come together and with all our sharp edges commit to one another, commit to share the love of Christ with one another because He first loved us. And as we do that, then the rough edges get rounded off. We gather for worship and fellowship. We get close to one another. We extend reconciliation and forgiveness to one another as God has for us. And God is glorified. That's Jesus' vision for the church. That's what the world needs to see. Now, too often in the church, we we come in and we think, you know, well, so-and-so hurt me, so I'm going to sit on that side of the room because I don't want to be near them. And, you know, and, and they failed because they didn't keep the list of what a good Christian should do and according to what I think a Christian should do. So we talk about them and we do this. And, I mean, we fall into that because we're human. All of us. But I want you to begin to get a vision for more of what God can call us to when we begin to hang on to His love and let it begin to flow in our relationships with one another. The passage ends with this. Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Verse 36. Jesus replied, where I am going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. Peter answered, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? I tell you the truth, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. It's as if Peter is saying, agape love, I can do it. No problem. (laughs) Jesus, I'll stick with you. I can pull this off. You see, we need to learn something else about agape love, and that is it cannot be done by self-effort. We can't pull it off because it's supernatural. It's not natural for any of us to love in this way. It's something only God can do through us to learn to love our roommates and our spouses and our families and, and our coworkers and and one another in this room, truly from an agape way, can only be done by the power of God. And, and Jesus is helping Peter understand that. As we talk about this kind of love of moving towards our enemies, those people who hurt us, do you feel overwhelmed and inadequate? I do. I think that's exactly where God wants us. Because the way it's done is by the power of the new covenant. <laughs> His life in us. As we depend on His love, we extend that love to others, but we don't have it in ourselves to do it ourselves. It cannot be done by self-effort. Now, Jesus goes on to expand on this in the rest of the Upper Room Discourse, but let me just read a couple of verses in chapter 15 that remind us of this, starting in verse 4. Jesus says, Remain in me, and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. You can't do this by yourself. (laughs) It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. 
I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. (laughs) Jesus wants to make it very clear, just in those two verses. You can't do it, folks, unless you stay in me, unless you abide in me, unless you learn how great my love is for you and live by faith in that very place. Then my love will begin to flow to others. Relationships are hard. They are. We have sharp edges. The reality is none of us loves well. You don't love me very well, actually, and I don't love you very well. That's because we're just in a process of growing and learning and becoming what God wants us to be. I like the way Eugene Peterson puts it when he talks about the church when we gather. These gatherings of saints and sinners in Jesus' name don't get along with one another very well. Anyone who joins the church expecting to be part of a happy and harmonious gathering of put-together people sooner or later is in for serious disappointment. We can also suspect that such a person hasn't read the scriptures very carefully. We are here, we are here to be formed over our lifetimes into a community of the beloved, God's beloved, who are being formed into a people who love God and one another in the way and on the terms in which God loves us. It's slow work. We are slow learners. And though God is unendingly patient with us, we are not very patient with one another. And yet that's God's plan. To put us in relationship where we can begin to become the people of God. To express His love for one another. A supernatural kind of love. Back in verse 23, John, the writer of the Gospel, describes himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. John, late in in his life, is writing this and he has realized that his identity is no longer the old John. His identity is wrapped up in the fact that God loves him. God loves me and that is my identity. And the more he's been filled up by that truth, the reality of God's love for him, and that's his new identity, the more passionate he is, and you see it all through this gospel, and through 1 John and 2 John and 3 John, how passionate he is to have us express that love to each other, to be filled up with his love for us and to let it flow to one another. Agape love, supernatural love, the kind of love that only God can give us. God's plan is that we are vessels of love to one another, passing on the kind of love he's shown us and then showing it to others. That's our privilege as believers, and that's what glorifies our Heavenly Father. What a privilege it is. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, that you love us. You love us far more profoundly than we even understand at this point. But, Lord, I pray that we might understand your love in a deeper way and that out of that we might extend agape love to one another so that you might be glorified. 
We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.